Hello, and welcome to the Dawkening Podcast Network. Press pound to hear the available shows. That Strange Show, Throwdown Thursday, Loose Cannon with Jar Jar Jeremy, Three Guys That Horror, The New and Improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews The Audio Files 2.0. This is probably one of Dwayne's worst films. Yeah, he's allowed to have a tooth fairy every now and then, sure. Yeah, this is a tooth fairy and then some, because it does not show the monsters tearing up buildings until the last 20 minutes of the movie. That's what the game is. It's fucking monsters tearing up a a fucking city. Secret Underground Hideout. Cinema with Harrison Smith. Dorks the Podcast. The Dorkening. Black and White Fright. The Wicked Horror Show. Subscribe to all these awesome shows anywhere podcasts can be found. For more information, check out thedorkening.com. It has been said that every legend and myth known to mankind is not entirely without some truth. It was here, under a full moon, in the little village of Van Dorf, that an ancient legend suddenly terrifyingly came to life. Doctor, you'll perform an autopsy. On a body that's turned to stone? said that when mortals looked upon her face, they were turned to stone. Leave Vandorf before it's too late. What is it you're afraid of? I'm afraid for you. Or of what I may discover, if I remain. We want you out of this house, mister. Now. For 2,000 years, Magera the Gorgon had kept her evil peace. But now this strange, unearthly creature returns to petrify every human being who crosses her path. (coughs) Starring Peter Cushing as the doctor, did his strange talents direct him to medicine or murder? Christopher Lee as the professor, confronted by a conspiracy of silence that paralyzed a village with terror. Magira died 2,000 years ago. It's her spirit we're concerned with today. It's found a resting place in somebody. Also starring Richard Pascoe, Barbara Shelley, Michael Goodliffe. The terrifying realism of the Gorgon. She comes to life and brings death to all those who look upon her face. Carla! I am waiting for Carla, Mr. Hines. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast. And I am your host, Dr. Chris. 
And I'm your co-host, Ro Lauren. And tonight we are talking about the 1964 Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, barely starring in The Gorgon <laughs> from Terrence Fisher. <laughs> I was so excited when I read the capture that those two were in it again and they're not playing monsters, they're playing humans. Mm-hmm. And it was directed by Fisher. I was like, yeah, we're going to do this one. Yeah, we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially because uh, I'm a fan of Greek mythology and uh, yeah, you know, it all seemed good <laughs> until we watched it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lee's let like, yeah, I mean, uh, I was so hoping so much more from these two. Um, this was a light movie for them. This is funny considering they've done like the four other, you know, um, five, six, seven other like, you know, mo- you know, films together, but they, they've done films together where Lee's always the monster and Cushing's always the, uh, the human hero or semi-monster person, depending on your views of the Curse of Frankenstein, uh, horror of Dracula, the mummy, they're all, you know, like good guy, bad guy kind of role. Right, that's true. Yep. And the Gorgon, they're... Uh, I guess Cushing is the bad guy, sort of, but we'll get to yeah. it. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we're going to go right into the plot synopsis on the Gorgon. All right. So, The Gorgon, first released on October 18th, 1964, directed by Terrence Fisher. Our film begins with Bruno Heights, Richard Pasco, painting a topless painting of his girlfriend, Sasha, Tony Gilpin. She tells him she's pregnant, so Bruno runs out to tell her father. She runs after him, and through the trees, she sees Castle Borski and a full moon, and then screams in horror. At Vandorf Medical Institution, Inspector Kanoff Patrick Thoroughton arrives to see Dr. Namaroff Peter Cushing to discuss a murder, mentioning that there have been seven other unsolved murders in the area. Sasha's body or Sasha's body is brought in and a finger breaks off the hand as Carla Hoffman, Barbara Shelley, Dr. Namaroff's assistant, looks in horror. Namaroff reveals that the whole body has turned to stone. Police with dogs search the forest and find the body of Bruno hanged from a tree. A trial takes place where Namaroff lies about the condition of Sasha's body. Bruno is found guilty of Sasha's murder and his father, Professor Heights, Michael Goodlife, defends his son and says he will clear Bruno's good name. Afterwards, Carla questions Dr. Namaroff on why he didn't tell the truth. Professor Heights visits Namaroff and recounts the myth of the Gorgon Megara, who turns those who she or who sees her to stone. Professor Heights visits Namaroff and recounts the myth of the Gorgon Megara, who turns those who see them to stone. Heights is later attacked by an angry mob, but the police stop them. Heights tells them or tells his other son Paul, Richard Pasco, to come to Paul! I know. We have two back-to-back movies that we are recording today with Pauls. Unbelievable. Go on. Professor Heights hears a female voice singing and goes outside. The full moon appears and he goes into a castle where he glimpse or he gets a glimpse of a woman. He staggers back to his house and writes a letter to his son before he returns to tell Hans, Reedman Phillips, that only Paul can read the letter. 
Paul arrives the next day, but is not allowed to see his father's body. Namorov, or Namorov has attributed his death to heart failure, but Paul uses his father's three-page letter as proof that Namorov is lying. Um, Paul returns home to find Carla in his house. Carla tells Paul that Megara the Gorgon exists. Carla tells Namorov what she has learned about the Gorgon from Professor Height's letter, which she has read, which she read at Paul's house. Ratoff, Jack Watson, an orderly, comes in and reports that Martha Joyce Hempson, a mental patient, has escaped again. Namorov tells Carla that Megara has taken on a human form. Paul hears a female voice and goes out into the courtyard where he sees the reflection of a snake-haired woman in a pool of water and collapses. He wakes up in a hospital bed. His hair has gone gray and he suffers from night terrors. When he's discharged, Paul tells Namorov that he's staying to solve the mystery and to destroy her. Later that night, Paul digs up his father's grave and he finds that the body has turned to stone. Carla appears and admits to reading the letter because she's afraid of Namorov and that he's in love with her. Paul offers to take her away, but she refuses. Back at the house, Professor Meister, Christopher Lee, and Paul's tutor arrives. Namorov performs an autopsy on Martha and removes her brain. Carla asks him if Martha is Megara, but he says no. Paul and Meister talk over the or talk over events and deduce that Megara must not be looked at directly. Inspector Kanoff shows them details of all the women who've come to live in Vandorf. Carla is one of them. Carla demands to know why Namorov spies on her. He says to protect her. She arranges to meet Paul at Castle Borsky the next morning. They meet and she agrees to come away with him, but says it must be immediately. When, she said, or when he says that he must find Megara first, she says she will never see him again. Paul tries to follow her, but Radoff attacks Paul and Meister saves him. Meister finds a file on Carla, which shows that she suffered from amnesia attacks during full moon. He thinks she is Megara, but Paul refuses to believe it. They find Carla outside struggling with Radoff. She tells Paul it's too late and, goes, and to go away. The doorbell rings and Paul hides Carla. Namorov and the police search the house but can't find her as Paul has sent her to catch the train to Lep er, Leipzig but is caught before she gets there. Meister locks Paul in his room so she doesn't go after Carla but he climbs out the window. The police return to arrest Paul for Carla's abduction. Meister escapes and follows Paul to the castle. There, Paul finds Namorov waiting for Carla with a sword and they fight. Megara appears and petrifies Namorov, turning him to stone. Meister arrives and beheads Megara from behind with Namorov's sword, but it's too late to save Paul, who has already been petrified. Before he turns to stone, Paul watched Megara's severed head change back into its human form, which reveals to have been Carla all along. And then our credits roll. It was Agatha all along. Da -na -na, da -na -na. Yeah. So we open up with the uh, nude painting. Have you ever done any nude painting before? Mm. Have you been the subject of nude painting oh, is basically it. what I'm, I'm asking. Not have you, do you have any? I mean, you are a graphic designer and an artist as well, so you could have. Um, so right. the question applies to both uh, then. Yeah, and I think the answer to both is yes. It's been a while since I've... Uh, done painting and I definitely went through a phase where I painted like nude bodies because art school um, but then I 
feel like I've done I, I, maybe one time I've been the subject matter, but I think it was a while ago. Maybe oh my in college. god! Really? You should do that more often. There's all there's uh you know you find the right school that's uh there there's there's money in that. Yeah, I mean I think it's fun. I know there's uh, been models doing it like over like cam, not like cam girling it, but you know they're just, they're just like sitting there on the thing and people like you know in the boxes you know the Zoom call yeah. are, are drawing them and stuff like that. Well, I've had I've had people I've had tons of people make fan art of my nudes, which is super awesome. But like, really? Ha- oh yeah, I have like a whole folder on my phone saved of people's art that they've like uh, made of me from like several other nudes that I've done. That I, I love that shit. That happened. That's happened a couple of times. Wow. But like talking about like sitting in front of like art students or like doing like a nude uh, modeling thing maybe only one time in college but yeah i had love all the fan art that i have it's like very near and dear to my heart it makes me so happy (laughs) do you ever post that art online um on my old instagram account before it got nuked i would post it on my stories (laughs) wow okay Uh, the story stuff i always miss or whatever but you should post that stuff like on twitter or something yeah, it's hard because even um, even though it's artwork, Instagram gets a little fussy about it. But it, but, but Twitter is not censored, right? So I could post it on Twitter. I just have to find those people's Twitter handles if they have them. <laughs> it's shocking the amount of stuff that's on Twitter that gets away with being posted. You know what I mean? I mean there is oh, just yeah. hardcore stuff. Yes. Whereas like Instagram, I think it's Facebook owned, and they're. They're not gonna let that go. So, um, and sometimes they come after the wrong bottles too, which is kind of weird. Like, wait, why did you take this down? Oh, you just yeah. Somebody, I think it's because some fan didn't get what they want out of the model, so they reported their image, and Instagram took it down. Yeah, I totally believe that is the case. A lot of the times when I hear like Karen Nicole has had her stuff taken down, you had yours taken down, and other models that I know who have semi-nude, partial nude, enough to entice someone to you know what I mean to suggest the yeah. thing. So, the actress who plays the nude model in this is Joy. This is Martha, right? Who is? No, this is Sasha. Is her name? Oh, Sasha is and... the name of the model that dies and turns to stone. Yes. Tony oh, okay. Gilpin. I had the wrong person. Who? Okay. Who is it? Tony Gilpin is her actress. Uh, why does this not come up on the IMDb? Oh, there it is. She's in the movie for like a whole five minutes. Right. A lot of back shots. Um, yeah. Having to appear, <laughs> having appeared on the Avengers TV series as most people would, and I think this is her only Hammer film according to the top of her IMDb credits. We immediately, right after these two are dispatched um, off screen, we don't really sit to, get to see the Gorgon right away. Uh, Peter Cushing appears uh, playing Dr. Nemiroff, and he does science stuff to it. Um, <laughs> so Peter, by the way, was in our uh, was in a movie with the actress uh, Joyce Hemson, who plays Martha who's the third uh, female in this movie, not Carla. Carla is our main female character. Uh, they were in a th- uh, miniseries together called Island of Terror. Oh, I think I've heard of that. An isolated remote island community is threatened by an attack by tentacle stilicates, which liquefy and digest bone and tissue. And it was directed by Terrence Fisher, starring Peter Cushing. Uh, and it, I don't know if this is a Hammer thing or not. I don't think it is, but it's got a lot of Hammer actors in it. Hmm. 
when Carla shows up with the corpse of our, our, our muse, she breaks a finger off, which is the stunning, shocking mint of it all. Now, with this movie, as I said, we're recording two episodes back to back. It's funny that both of these movies, this one and the next one we'll be doing, Dr. Jekyll, the two faces of Dr. Jekyll, both have a redhead in it, but they're not the same redhead. Yes. But they're strikingly similar. Yeah, although I think that's true. They are, like, in personality, they're both a little, little sus the whole time. Right. <laughs> the painter, our unfortunate painter, is another Paul. I don't understand the use of the word, of the name Paul, over and over and over again. It's insane. It's literally ridiculous. Like, at first, it was just kind of funny. But now, this is like, I don't know how many we've done now. And I would say probably 80% of them. Paul is a main character. A dozen. Yeah. Yes. And this Paul actor has also been in other Hammer films, such as Rasputin the Mad Monk. And he was in the Disney um, made-for-TV movie, which is not on Disney Plus still, but is extremely good. was recently remade called The Watcher in the Woods. Have you ever heard of this movie? No, I have not. When a family moves into a country home, the young girls experience strange happenings that have a link to an occult event years prior. Um, also stars, uh, it's based on a novel, and again, this was a Disney movie. Hmm. Standout role for this movie. Oh, Betty Davis is plays the old woman in this film, uh, whose daughter got trapped in some kind of like weird dimension through the mirror. And the older daughter keeps seeing this blonde girl with a blindfold on reaching out to her in the mirror. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. It's only ever been released on uh, uh, by Anchor Bay, but uh, there's a hundred minute cut of the film, um, and only and there's only been people who've seen like the eighty four minute version. But yeah, he's uh, one of the main characters in this movie. And again, a lot of people wish Disney would put it out on Disney Plus. So Barbara Shelley plays our main. female character in this movie and she's in Quarterman in the Pit and Village of the Damned uh, she's also in Ghost Story which is a famous 1974 uh, horror movie that was uh, famous for a uh, nude at uh, least Krieg is, this is her debut movie oh wow yeah old college friends converge on Manson and tell uh, ghost stories Peter Cushing's mutton chops in this movie are unbelievable oh I know I was like the whole time I was watching this I was like how dare you pick Paul over Peter Cushing how dare you have you seen the man's facial hair (laughs) it is absolutely just unbelievable the mutton chops he's got going on in this yeah they're fantastic our uh, resident constable police officer Patrick Thoughton he's a thorn in everyone's side in this movie and of course one of those police officers who can't believe that you know this could be happening or that could be happening the you know this whole family just seems to be get dispatched the entire film. Patrick Thornton, who plays our con- our police officer, he was Clove in Scars of Dracula. Oh, okay. He was also Father Brennan in The Omen, but uh, yeah, we've talked about him before as well. Just like we've also talked about Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Uh, Barbara Shelley, I think, is definitely new to us. The um, the trial of uh, Bruno is so oh, i'm sorry bruno is the painter not paul paul's his brother I, I apologize paul goes to investigate what happened to bruno but the behest of his father the uh, professor played by christopher lee the trial of bruno happens with no body no that the, bruno's dead but they still have a trial for him and declare him guilty which really pisses off his dad yeah and everyone literally lies about it they're like oh yeah you know bruno he was that artsy boy he just drank all the time what a he had such 
freedom with his life. What a disgusting man he is. And Bruno's dad's literally just sitting in the courtroom like, excuse me? What the fuck? I, what? And, so- like, Peter Cushing's character... Just straight up, it was like, oh, yeah, I um, I found Sasha's body. He, like, beat her to death or whatever. She had, like, a bunch of stab wounds. She He totally killed her. Yep. And everyone's like, well, that settles it. The uh, mortician here said that uh, your son just dang old killed her. So, it's settled then. <laughs> it was the worst trial I've ever seen. Bruno's dad has incredibly weird hair through this entire movie up until his death. Yes, though he was one of my favorite characters up until his death because he was the only one who's like, what the fuck is happening with this town? What is wrong with all of you people? And I was like, I support you, man. You're doing a good job. Your son was just, he was just living his best life. Michael Goodlife plays Bruno, uh, sorry, plays, um, uh, shoot, I'm sure I forgot, I forgot his name. Jules Heights? Yeah, Heights. Heights, yes. Professor Jules Heights is the father. And uh, he was in a lot of things that I have never seen before. Um, but uh, he's uncredited as Mr. Teeve in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Which character is that? I have no idea. It's got to be one of the parents. Oh, okay. Um, Peruka Salt. And uh, oh, which parent then? I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen the original. He was on the Avengers, as everyone seems to have been on the Avengers. Uh, he was on The Saint, uh, which was the Roger Moore show prior to him becoming James Bond. Yeah, a lot of things going all the way back to 1946 I have just never seen before. Wow. He was uh, Tybalt, 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 in the tragedy, Tybalt. Tybalt in the tragedy of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, yeah, don't really know him too, too much beyond this one uh, film that he's in. Bruno's dad asks Peter about, like, you know, the observations he made with the autopsy, and Peter just, like, blatantly just lies. It just seems like he's in on the conspiracy of, like, there can't possibly be this legend of this uh, creature that exists. Yeah, and it's, like, it's interesting because, like, logically, you want to be like, yeah, why the fuck would there be a Gorgon in unknown European place? Because um, they don't really say... Based on the names and locations, I'm going to say somewhere in Germany or Poland, based on the names, but they'd never make it clear. Um, Like, why the fuck would there be a very, very ancient mythological creature here? So you kind of want to side with Peter Cushing, but Peter Cushing is being extremely suspicious. So then you're also like, well, okay... I guess people really are being turned to stone by a Gorgon. <laughs> Apparently, the mob mentality in this film knows no bounds and the police don't give a shit because after the we get the origin of the Gorgon from the 2,000-year-old legend, the mob just attack uh, the poor father who just lost his kid and try to drive him out of town. Like, they straight in and come up with like pitchforks and stuff and they're like, well, uh, we're going to kick you out and burn your house down because... For some reason, we all want to protect the idea that there's not a Gorgon here and that seven people haven't gone missing. I I don't know. The professor hears the siren music of the Gorgon and decides to go follow it. Would you get up in the middle of the night and just start following mysterious music to an abandoned castle? I mean, me personally, probably. Really? But Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm that white person in the horror movie. Just seems very dangerous, especially considering what happens. 
Yes. <laughs> Apparently, um, Barbara, who, by the way, shocker, was the Gorgon all along, is the uh, wanted to play the Gorgon, but they had a different actress play him, uh, Prudence Hyman. Oh, okay. I thought her face looked really different on the uh, close-ups of her face Ext- when she's the Gorgon. Extremely different. Um, probably the most notable thing on here is that she's the tavern woman in the next movie we're going to do, The Two Faces of Dr. Jekyll. So she's got a bar- barely a cameo in it. But she's hmm. also a chatty woman uncredited in Rasputin the, La- the Mad Monk, which is another Hammer film. Hmm. And um, I also find this fascinating because I do want to point out that they go out of their way to explain the Gorgon myth, but horribly incorrectly. Yeah, so, because the the Meg, Meg, how do you what, how do you say their, her name in the film? Megara. Okay, that is not one of the three Gorgons in Greek mythology. Absolutely not. Nope. No, Megara is Hercules' wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or well, she's apparently uh, a fury or an Erian. It's spelled E R I N Y with a thing above the Y, whatever that's called, and an E mm-hmm. uh, or a fury. And the Gorgons were uh, Stefano, uh, Uriel, and Medusa. Yes, and yeah, so yeah, you're right. There is Megara. That is also the fu- one of the Furies, um, which is probably what they're talking about. And the the. They do say that there are three Gorgons, but they don't name them correctly because, yes, as, as you said, the other two, uh, well, there's obviously Medusa, and then there's Sino and your Iriel, um, but the other two are immortal. The only one who is mortal is Medusa. So I just, like, why? Why go through the entire point of, or why go through the whole, I don't know, discussion of pointing out the fact that this is specifically the ancient Greek Gorgons, the mythological Gorgons, and then just make everything else up after that. Why do that? Like, what? They just wanted to play loosey-goosey with their script writing. I guess so. It just was so off-putting to me. I'm like, why the fuck would you even bother to say that? Just say it's a Gorgon and just leave it at that. Like, I don't know. Who gives a shit? Make it Scooby-Doo. Like, I don't know. There's a Gorgon here. Whatever. But then to pretend to go into the mythology, I was like, are you fucking crazy? What's happening? Why is, why is anything happening? This, <laughs> just, when Christopher oh. Lee finally re-enters the film after the professor is killed and Paul encounters the Gorgon and ages, like, terribly old... Uh, oh, it's so bad. Yeah, uh, Christopher Lee apparently said this was not one of his favorite films. It, this is one of his like worst performances. Like, I really think that Christopher Lee just didn't give a shit. And every five minutes, I'm <laughs> expecting Chris and and Peter to have some on screen time together, and they barely do. And it's not till later on in the movie. I mean, the, when when Peter, uh, sorry, when Chris's character is snooping around uh, the laboratory, he, he sees Chris through the window, and that's it. And then we don't get a scene with them together until later on. And it's not a good scene. It's just them delivering dialogue. I don't expect them to fight each other. I just expect some scene chew, 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 chewing some scenery together, and they don't do it. No, they, like, literally deliver the dialogue to each other extremely deadpan, and they don't give one another a time to really finish the dialogue. That's something that happens throughout the entire film, is, like, no one has any pauses between dialogue. They're just on top of each other, on top of each other, on top of each other with the dialogue, and it's insane. 
when Paul examines his dad's uh, now, you know, stone corpse or whatever, the dad's head looks huge. The the <laughs> the head of the his father now kind of reminds me of the decapitated head of one of the uh, engineers in uh, Prometheus. Oh yeah, I can see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it's just really super huge. It just looks ridiculous with the rest of his body. Yes, I was just like. The whole thing to me was so strange that um, you have this town, and this has happened seven other times. Right. That they apparently find literal stone bodies seven other times, and people's first instinct was, well, one, somehow this isn't an art installation. Because that would have been my first thought. This is like some art thing. But two, that this is actually a real corpse of a person and no one's going to, like, flip their lid about it. <laughs> like, I just have an unbelievable amount of questions. But it's just, like, you just got... I guess this is just one of those ones you got to kind of just turn your fucking brain off. I don't really understand. When they find uh, Carla's immigration card, it says that she's from Germany. I don't know a lot of redheads from Germany. Redheads normally come from what country? Uh, Ireland? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Most redheads are usually Irish, not German. Yeah, I just... And she's a real redhead, too. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. I can't... I just don't know. I don't know. Because, like I said, everyone's names are kind of Polish. But the outfits are kind of... Like, the police uniforms are definitely German. I, I don't know. I have no fucking clue what's going on. And they talk about... They talk about the democracy a lot. They mention that this is like a democratic state, which would again fall in line with Poland. But then they sent her on a train to Leipzig, which is in Germany. I don't know. I just kind of gave up trying to figure out where the, where they wanted to put this movie. When the police show up to arrest Paul, they they can't find it anywhere. But I like the fact I like the scene where uh, Lee stands up to the inspector. And puts him in his place, and he mm-hmm. basically kind of like outwits him with his uh, supreme intelligence. And the the inspector, you know, the lead inspector of this whole case, just seems very dumbfounded and and you know, in a professional way, put down by Lee. Yes, I personally thought the highlight of Lee's performance was when he slapped Paul. That was lovely to me. <laughs> Who's the first... I, I missed it in my notes. Who's the first person that suspects that Carla is possibly the Gorgon? It's Lee. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and no one else believes it because, you know, Peter's too in love with her and Paul's falling in love with her. Well, I mean, I think Peter probably actually does know, but he just doesn't care. <laughs> he's prote- <laughs> he's uh, he's protecting his, um, his love interest. Yeah. He's yes. working with his dick. Yep. At least he's not like a serial rapist scumbag in this movie he's just kind of like a you know just and not being rational about the facts right which is fine it's better than him possibly just being you know a complete and utter human scumbag or just like the hero that you hate or want to love you know love to hate or anything like that like dr frankenstein in most of his films right i mean i definitely think there's a bit of an like an issue like a power imbalance thing happening because she doesn't really return his feelings and he seems weirdly possessive of her and like you know tries to control all of her movements and everything without telling her anything so she just 
thinks that he's a creepy freak who spies on her and has all the power over her so she can't get away. So it's not a healthy relationship by any means because she's his subordinate. Um, but then Paul doesn't even know her and he's like, oh, and in an over, extremely overdramatic scene, is like, oh my god, I love you. And she's like, I love you, Paul. And he's like, just like, run away with me. You know, they've known each other for like two hours. So there's that. There's also the orderly that keeps popping in and out that seems to have a rough time with some of the patients, especially one who dies and Lee does the autopsy on the screaming patient. Sorry, not Lee. Cushing does the autopsy on the uh, the crazy patient and picks up her brain and puts it into the jar, no gloves on, then washes his hands. And of course it's like, how did that patient die? Oh, the orderly obviously killed her because he was tired of her bullshit. Yeah, they never really go into exactly how she died, but yeah, because she didn't get turned to stone, so she just she just done she just died. Oh, but yeah, I wrote that down too because he apparently, um, you know, opens her entire skull up, but we never see him pick up any instruments. You see that he pans down with his his fingers on top of like her her forehead then it pans back up and he's just like messing with her head i guess and then the next thing you see is that he takes her brain out and just plops it into a jar but he has no gloves never saw him pick up any tools and i was just like did you just open this woman's skull with your fingers peter did you just crack open this man this woman's skull with your bare hands like what is happening why is this happening the actor who plays the orderly, Jack Watson, had steady work going back to nineteen to the nineteen forties until nineteen ninety four, where it looks like he retired and then died five years later. So this guy wow. was a constant character actor working. Again, none of these actors that I've just not seen him in like anything. Um, he's and this seems to be his only Hammer production as well. But yeah, bit part actor in so many things. I thought The Devil's Brigade was a Hammer movie, but I was thinking The Devil Rides Out. The Talisman, uh, the Camerons, he was on the Avengers, Rob Roy, a miniseries about the famous cowboy, Z Cars, again, just stuff I have just never seen before. Yeah, um, that's still pretty impressive, though. None of those ring a bell to me either, but sounds interesting. There are lobby cards for this movie, uh, which I found one time at a antique store, but I didn't know anything about the Gorgon, so I did not buy them. Oh wow! I hate when that I hate when that kind of thing happens. Uh, there's also a great uh, still picture of uh, Lee behind the Gorgon as she has now basically done away with Paul and Peter. Um, I think it's interesting that whenever someone's about to turn to stone, it looks like they have the plague all of a sudden, like the yes. boils on their head. That doesn't. It's like not what? Why? Wouldn't Wouldn't you start looking more like Paul the way he is? Like he he's aged and he just starts turning to stone. Yeah, well, I just find it interesting that they're slow to transform in any in any way. Because um, I would think that turning to stone would be pretty immediate. Um, yeah, like, Paul's dad is able to handwrite three whole pages of notes <laughs> before he turns to stone. Right. So, I like, I really am confused by that. I thought it was an immediate thing, but okay. <laughs> There's great imagery when the movie, when the Gorgon does show up. I think it's interesting that the, you know, they got the snakes to at least animate, even though they're just like flickering a little bit here and there. Um, one of Barbara Shelley's most ridiculous outfits is she looks like a young Mrs. Claus. <laughs> <laughs> she 
she does. I didn't even think about that. The castle the Gorgon is, I thought, was typical of everything we've seen in Hammer. Very gothic-looking horror castle. Yeah, I actually felt like that was one of the highlights, is the castle's pretty neat with her little throne and everything. Also, the Gorgons would not have hair with snakes in them. Their no. head of hair would be snakes, period. Yes. <laughs> Are you familiar with the Marvel comic book character Medusa, who has living hair? Yes. Yes. She was brought to life on a terrible TV series called The Inhumans, <laughs> which all episodes are on Disney Plus to watch. Um, yeah, she's a pretty. Oh, she was a pretty popular comic book character for a while until Donny Cates came along, was just like Death of the Inhumans, f these freaking characters, and uh-huh. killed off a bunch of them. And the Inhumans have the main seven Inhumans that you're familiar with haven't been seen since. And Marvel is not planning on bringing them back anytime soon because boy oh boy, they try to push the Inhumans onto the fans like because they were losing rights to the X Men. And they oh, were like, look, Inhumans, we're going to put out all these Inhumans comics and Inhuman new characters and Inhumans are popular. <laughs> How odd. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. The uh, st- uh, the best version of Medusa I think we've ever seen has probably been in the uh, Clash of the Titans. Yeah, you know, I just watched that, the original Clash of the Titans, um, maybe like two months ago, and I feel like it was still good, still held up. I really enjoy that movie. And I think a Medusa-like creature also probably appeared on Hercules and Xena. Yeah, I think so. So, Lee cuts off the head of the Medusa, of uh, the Gorgon, and that's it. It yep. She transforms back into our, uh, our, our unknown femme fatale, and that is all she wrote. Yeah, uh, I mean that was uh, it was like a, it's pretty it was pretty cool that he cut her head off even though that prop was hilariously awful. I, I mean I was I appreciated it. Um, and in a interesting turn of events, everybody but Christopher Lee dies. Usually Correct. it's the other way around. Yeah, <laughs> um, wanted to point out that the coroner in the movie who doesn't really have a lot to do, uh, played by Joseph O'Connor, lived from 1910 to 19 to 2001. Um, and was in uh, was the narrator of the Dark Crystal. Oh wow! Yeah, and he was also the Earl of Derby in uh, the movie Elizabeth. Hmm. That is all the notes I have for this movie, which I was pretty disappointed in. This was, I don't think, one of Hammer's best films. Uh, low on the monster too. The monster just barely ever shows up in this film. Yeah, that's all the notes I have as well. And yeah, you see her. You see her face one time, really, and you get obscure glances at her maybe three or four times. Uh, Yeah, overall, that was kind of disappointing. And you also get it in the distance, too. Yeah. Which was the disappointment, because you really wanted, like, more close-ups of her, but I guess they were trying to do that whole slasher, like, oh, who could it possibly be? Yeah. Yeah. Not not fantastic. Not one of Terrence Fisher's best movies, either. I'm shocked by this. Yeah, me too. Um, The script wasn't really that that good you know no john gillingan uh directed the script but it's based on an original short story by j L- i cannot pronounce this l-l-e-w-e-l-l-y-n divine llewellyn maybe yeah i guess he's the writer of it of uh, the original gorgon hmm. yeah very little known about him other than being a hammer writer but everything that keeps popping up is just about the gorgon i thought maybe he was like some type of uh you know pretty well-established writer that i wasn't aware of but nothing comes up except for about the gorgon Interesting. Mm. The other writer, uh, the writer of the script itself, John Gilling, uh, wrote The Pirates of the Blood River, The Gamma People, 
uh, wrote uh, 10 episodes of The Saint, uh, and he was the writer of a film we just covered, The Mummy Shroud. Yeah. Huh. That's all the notes I have here for this episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses. The boobs in this are non-existent. No cleavage, nope. nothing. Just uh, nope. some rather tight-fitting dresses. The badass in this movie, I guess we give it to Christopher Lee because he, he's the one who dispatches the Gorgon. For once, he's the one dispatching the monster, not the monster being dispatched. Yes. I mean, he decapitates a person, so that's pretty cool. I'll give it to him. Right. And the and the blood in this movie is non-existent at all because everyone turns to stone. Yeah. And even the crazy. Gorgon gets her head cut off. There's not, like, blood everywhere. No, I think even when she turns back to Carla... Her, like, neck has some red splooches on it, but it's not, like, really bloody. Correct. Yeah, so there's, like, none, nothing. Right. The only blood we really see is when uh, Peter takes the brain out of the crazy woman. Oh, yeah. That's about it. And the orderly's got a little blood on his cheek from having to fight her earlier. Yes. So that's, uh, yeah, kind of a, a letdown in our three award categories. Uh, we'll be back in a few weeks with another exciting episode. Don't forget you can find us on the Dorkening Network on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And you can also find us on Twitter at ChrisDSAV. And you can find me at Rolorn, R-O-L-0-R-E-N. Please send us an email if you wish to, thatradiofhorror at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments about this movie or any of the other movies we've covered on Boobs, Blood, and Badasses. And we'll be back in a few weeks with another exciting episode here on the Dorkening Network of the Hammer Horror Show. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold. Robust. Delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs>